If you ever had questions regarding Web 3.0, NFTs, the entire metaverse, everything that you hear and see across social media these days, this episode is for you. I have an amazing guest who is a top leader that and growing in this new world of Web 3.0. She's going to dive in to how women can get uh, involved with it, what we need to know about it, and how she's making it more equitable for all of us. So hang in. And uh, this is definitely going to be a very educational, informative, and interesting conversation that I'm super excited to bring to all of you on the Alexa Rose Show. Each individual taking massive amounts of action to pursue what they love. And today, that is what we're focusing on. We're focusing on your growth and your success. Talk about growth and growing into this new world of Web 3.0. My name is Alexa Carlin. I am your host on the Alexa Rose Show. This show is sponsored and brought to you by Colin. Colin is a new social podcasting platform that makes it very easy for you to create, go live, schedule, and edit your podcast. And I'm super grateful to be in partnership with Colin. Uh, that's C-A-L-L-I-N. If you are listening on ev- any other platform, highly recommend you check it out. Um, and you can always tune in to our shows live on the platform if you ever want to be part of a show. I sometimes do Q&A shows. So definitely check out Colin and follow the Alexa Rose show on there. Also, um, if you've been connected with us on social media, you've seen that we've been hosting different masterclasses and uh, talking a lot about helping you grow your business and brand through the art of public speaking, speaking on every platform there is, including podcasting, social media, on stages, virtually, and uh, beyond. And if, if that's something that interests you, you really want to grow your brand as a thought leader, check out womenempowerx.com or reach out to me on Instagram at Alexa Rose Carlin to learn more. Love connecting with all of you. Um, and, and I personally uh, respond back to my DM. So when you're DMing me on Instagram, that's me really talking back to you. So definitely connect with me over there. All right, let's get into it. The Lex Rose Show. Lex Rose Show brings you amazing thought leaders, people that are really trailblazers in their industry, movers and shakers, uh, making a difference and an impact doing what they love, growing their own brand, their own business, while also helping others um, really create a life of fulfillment and success and and just uh, have a lot of just inspiring, inspiring guests. That's, that's what we'll say it because there are so many different industries that we bring on, but all of them are thought leaders in their own right. They have these ideas and opinions and really change the world with them. And I just feel so inspired every single time I interview someone. So today will be no different. We have an amazing guest. Her name is Michelle Abs. Michelle is a leader who collaborates with key brands and partners to dream up bold visions, and ultimately, she makes them a reality. Talk about thought leader. She was featured in Forbes as a top woman in NFT, NFT, non-fungible token, 
We'll, we'll, we'll learn about it if this is new to you. Um, and named one of the top 16 most influential women in NFTs for her accomplishments. She is the founder of Web3 Equity, an educational company to onboard and empower more women to engage in Web3 as investors, collectors, creators, and builders. Did I say that she has a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me, Alexa. And I I can confirm, uh, because I've been in your DMs, uh, whether it was on LinkedIn or Instagram, that that is you talking. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I'm very happy that we have, you know, taken our, our virtual connection uh, through those social media apps to, to doing this today. So thanks for having me. Definitely. Thanks for thanks for that confirmation. See, see what happens when you authentically connect. Um, so, I mean, you have a lot of experience in such a new world. Uh, I know a lot of my audience, they're either dabbling in Web 3.0 or NFTs, or they're like, oh my goodness, I don't even want to hear about it. So let's just uh, ta- touch on Web 3 and this new space. Uh, how would you describe Web 3.0? Yeah, I think this is a really important conversation to dig into, especially for the folks who feel like, oh, I don't want anything to do with that, because ultimately, Web3 will become the fabric of our day-to-day lives, um, and we won't really be able to to avoid it in the same way that we kind of, you know, don't av- avoid the things from Web1 and Web2. So, so defining what it is is really key so that everyone can get excited and jump into what's being built and you know, so that folks aren't left behind. Um, so if we think about what Web3 is, we should contextualize what Web1 and what Web2 are, how we got to where we are now. So, um, you know, Web1 is really the internet, the birth of computers and, um, you know, computers being able to talk to, at that point, us, right? So in Web1, this is the dawn of the green screen with the green typing, you know, think about circa... Uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s computer world, right? It was a static computer where we used that to really get information, right? It was a a one-to-one interaction. There was just one, you know, lane of um, transactions that was read-only, sort of uh, write-only. There wasn't any interaction um, back and forth between computers. As we move into Web 2, um, Web 2 is where we see the birth of smartphones, you know, iPhones at the, the you know, uh, late 2008, you know, timeline. Um, and then we see the birth of social media. And what Web 2 allows us to do is to read and write and interact with each other and with, you know, more than one computer. Um, and Web 2 became centralized. Right. So we saw corporations pop up who held a lot of power and central authority, who held a lot of our data. Right. So think Amazon, you know, Facebook, Google. Um, and as we move into Web3, we distinguish the transition by we can continue to read and write as we did in Web1 and Web2. But now we also can own content and it's decentralized. Um, and Web3 is really about building on the blockchain. Um, so it's, you know, those, are, I think, are the three distinguishing factors, right? So it's 
uh, rewrite and own the concept of ownership, then the concept of decentralization and the concept of blockchain technologies more broadly, which is what fuels Web3. This, that was such a good explanation. Thank you for diving into more of the context, because I think that helps a lot understanding Web 1, Web 2, and the differentiation between those and how it changed the world to then Web 3, which, you know, everyone's predicting that it will also change the world, which which I agree as well. And, and talking about ownership, so are you saying that in as we continue to adopt Web 3.0, when there's, say, a new social media platform, we own the photos and videos that we post or like how does that work or describe it in relation to what we do today? Yeah. So folks are working on web three social apps, which are decentralized apps or for short dApps um, where folks will be able to own their, not only the digital assets that they're sharing, but also their data. Um, those, those are coming down the pike. I think the places that I'm really excited about are places where we didn't maybe fully understand that our data was being shared on our behalf. And maybe we didn't feel like we had as much of a choice. So think like 23andMe, right? When, when folks were sending in their saliva samples and they didn't maybe realize or read all the fine print that said, Hey, we're going to take all this data about your medical history and what this means. And we're going to sell it to a bunch of people. We didn't realize that was happening. As we move into Web3, there will be um, positions of ownership and incentivization around sharing medical data, for example. And instead of that being, you know, maybe nefariously written in, in, you know, the small terms and conditions, it's widely, you know, advertised, hey, if you share your medical data with us, we will distribute it to to pharmacies, to medical researchers in whatever way. And actually, we're going to pay you for that. Like those are the types of things that are happening in Web3 and, 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 you know, through blockchain technology that get me really excited. So, yes, some of this will be, um, you know, social media apps where you'll you'll have ownership of your your photos and things um, but the places I think that more progress is being made and people are even more excited is about the ownership of your data um, and, and the incentivization and like the, the monetization of your data. Wow, that's very interesting. Yeah, no, that's very exciting uh, um, to, to even see that type of future. So you're obviously a top leader in the Web3 world. What were you doing before this and when did you decide to go all in on Web3? Yeah, so I started my career as an educator, um, and I think that that teacher in me has has never left. Um, though I've taken many different roles, um, you know, I moved into entrepreneurship and technology. You know, led an accelerator for female founders for a while, which is where the um, gender equity lens I think was really most uh, catalyzed for me in understanding you know the research through that accelerator. Um, and recently, I was working for a real estate developer during the global pandemic when not a lot of folks were moving into uh, new commercial leases. Um, and so given, you know, that that role and we were, you know, uh, sort of um, 
our call to action was to attract technology companies to move into these these commercial buildings, we pivoted into an event strategy um, because that was a place where we felt like we could really deliver um, value and resources to the broader technology community. And um, last summer, around July, we explored, you know, we know Art Basel is really big in Miami and explored what's the, you know, sort of intersection between the technology community and Art Basel. And we saw this growing trend around NFTs. And I said, what would it look like to, you know, host a conference on the topic of NFTs during Art Basel? And that, you know, idea then morphed into something um, that was much bigger than the, the, you know, first conception of like, well, 200 people will come and we'll talk about NFTs all day to then 5,000 people coming ultimately to the FTX arena, which as we know is a huge venue where the Miami Heat play. Um, and we held a masterclass really on NFTs and Web3. And it was after that conference um, that I said, you know, there, there is, there is something here and there's a, a real opportunity to, I think, bold enough to say, you know, right the wrongs of some of the, the historical biases that have existed and have, um, been walled gardens and sort of blocked certain people out. I really think Web3 has the potential to to break down those barriers and be a place that can be really inclusive. Um, we have to fix some of the things right now, but that's what led me into diving fully into this space because I just saw the opportunity there to, to kind of right the wrongs and make a, a world that could be much more equitable and inclusive. And so that's how then I transitioned to, you know, launch my own company, Web3 Equity, and, you know, focus on on ensuring that Web3 really is equitable um, for, for all gender. Wow. I love that. Talk about seeing an opportunity and jumping full force into it. That is an amazing pivot and, and also divine timing. I feel, um, I mean, I, I believe everything happens for a reason. So web three equity, tell us a little bit more about web three equity and your vision, uh, for where you want to take it. Yeah. So web three equity is an educational community. Um, and you know, our, our vision is that, Web3 can be an equitable space for all genders. And the way we achieve that vision is by onboarding more women and non-binary folks to Web3. And we, you know, help them engage in Web3 in whatever way makes sense for them. So this, for some people, might mean buying their first NFT. For some people, it means buying land in the metaverse. For other people, it means actually investing in a Web3 company. So whatever, you know, sort of pulls them into the space, whatever their interest is, we help um, take them to that very first transaction in Web3. And we believe that then by, you know, seeing that first moment um, and, and jumping into Web3, people become much more empowered, engaged, and they have agency around like, yeah, I understand this now. I'm, I've, you know, taken part in this. I've got a, a piece of the pie. And then we just see the growth after that very first transaction um, is, is, it's on hyperspeed. And then that is a, a ripple effect, a domino effect that then helps onboard even more women and non-binary friends within their network. And so we believe that, you know, by educating this core group 
of people that will um, ripple out to, to help ensure um, gender equity. And the key way that we do that is through an NFT collection, um, which is called the Tuttle Tribe. And we love that name because that is in honor of Julia Tuttle. And Julia Tuttle is the founder of Miami. And Miami is the only major U.S. city that was founded by a woman. Um, and so you think about what it means to have been a woman in 1892 and have purchased land, you know, over almost 700 acres of land is what Julia Tuttle wow. purchased. Yeah, like total trailblazer to, to your point of the intro and everything, right? Um, and so we, we honor her with this collection and try to, you know, live up to that legacy, especially in Miami and in South Florida, what that means for us. And so the collection is a beautiful piece of digital art, but it's also a token that unlocks the access to the educational experiences. So we host events in Miami, Austin, LA, New York. Um, and when you hold this NFT, you are invited to attend these events for free. Um, and to continue your educational journey by, you know, being part of that learning experience. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I love that you call, that you named it in honor of her. That is super, super cool. So your NFT is a piece of art, but it also has utility to it. So what made you create an NFT versus just a, a membership? Yeah. So I think, you know, if we're going to talk about Web3 and, uh, you know, it's like walk the walk that you're talking the talk. I just felt like we should be doing the thing that we are talking about. And actually by helping people, um, the majority of our owners of our NFTs, this is their first NFT. Mm -hmm. And so the, as we were talking about what it looks like to open a digital wallet, you know, have cryptocurrency, buy an NFT, we basically now can walk people through that process with a real use case. Um, so it just felt like an easy um, connection point to all of the learning outcomes that, you know, we were delivering. Uh, and so it just it, it made everything very real. And then I think it, it increased the attachments right to, to that community. We had already been learning together. So we um, launched the NFT on March 16th. But I had started our very first in-person meeting was on January 3rd. So we had held meetings as a community and learned together. And then all ultimately, now we have this NFT to show that connection and to help, you know, onboard and bring more people into the space. It felt, you know, that that connectivity point versus just having maybe a, you know, a membership that felt like, OK, well, like everyone else, we've done that before. That's that's so web too. like, how do we. How do we actually live up to the the mission of what we're talking about? And it felt like the right thing to do, to do it as an NFT. Right, right, right. So um, I see that on your website, there's 3,050 that you're releasing, correct? Correct. Well, why 3,050? So yeah, that is in honor of the 305. Okay. Um, we had to work. <laughs> I knew there was meaning to it. I knew. <laughs> Yeah, we had to work the 305 in there somewhere. So now once 3,050 of these NFTs are purchased, no one else can gain access to your to the membership? That's correct. The only way to gain access then would be through a sale on the secondary market. So if there's more women that want to be part of this community, they 
can't essentially unless they buy it. But what if, you know, hopefully it's so valuable that nobody wants to sell it. Yeah. So what's interesting is, you know, people go into the creation of an NFT collection for a couple different reasons. Like I went into this to create value for an educational community, right? And I hope that that continues to increase in value and that the folks who hold that NFT um, are able to, if they want to resell that, you know, to to generate profit from that. Like you want to create intrinsic value that then translates to real value of the, the transaction people are buying and selling this NFT. But you know, when you start getting into an NFT collection to create value for it to trade on the secondary market, then you're kind of, you know, walking into this place that sounds like a security, right? And that's like a different setup of the token and a different sort of approach to it as a business. And so I certainly hope that the value of the NFT collection continues to increase and that the people who hold it, you know, see um, that grow and that, that helps to bring more equity, you know, back to the play on words there of web three equity that helps to bring more equity to them, but that's not the primary reason for the collection. Right. Um, so that's the second part of your question. The first part of your question, which is around the scarcity and the, the number. And after those 3050 are sold, no one else can access it. That's correct. No one else can hold the NFT, but Given that we are a community with a mission that is beyond 3,050 people, we will open up our events to folks who don't hold the NFT. We just, you know, ask for them to pay a fee. You know, there are a lot of fees associated with events, right? The mm-hmm. venue, the the food and the drink. And so folks can still attend events. They just, they pay a nominal fee to attend versus an NFT holder does not pay anything additional. Gotcha. So, but once people buy the NFT, it's a one and done, right? So then they're in your community forever in, in time of, of holding that NFT. So, yeah. And this is what's, what's interesting about, you know, building something in in three months and, and thinking about what is the next chapter and next iteration of this. So we are seeing um, folks in the group and holders of Tuttle Tribe who have gone from the sort of 101 levels right? And they, they've bought their first NFTs. And then all of a sudden, they've become very savvy. They've really, you know, learned everything they can. They're sort of graduating into the 201 and even 301 type curriculum. Um, we are, you know, continuing to offer some resources at that level, but we're really focused on onboarding people at that 101 level. So I think as people grow in their own educational journey, they might say, you know what, I don't know that I need as much of this 101 content, and they will maybe sell that to to someone else. And so we're even thinking about what does it look like? You know, what would it have looked like for you to graduate, you know, from a university, you got your four year degree, you you paid for that, you, you know, paid not only monetarily, but in the blood, sweat and tears of that, and then you graduate. Um, and that sort of credential, if that would have been on the blockchain, can you resell that? And someone sort of starts over with those four years again. So we're, we're thinking about our NFT in that conceptual way, right? So we stack from 101 to 201, you know, 301. And then at some point you quote unquote graduate and you may not need 
the access to that educational community um, as a learner anymore. Maybe you contribute to it as a teacher in some way or as a community supporter. Um, but there is a resale then for shuffling in new folks who need that 101 uh, curriculum. Interesting. Yeah. And, and, you know, since this is so new, I'm sure there's so many ideas that will come and this is very fluid. I mean, it has to be anyone that's starting a business in, in this web 3.0, uh, you have to make it fluid because it's changing all the time and there's so much that it, to explore that we don't even know. But the one, one question I would say is you mentioned how you launched this NFT collection and it's beautiful artwork that also is a token as a membership access. Is there a difference between an NFT and a token? That's a great question um, because there is and there is not. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of paradoxes. So <laughs> NFT stands for a non-fungible token, right? So ultimately NFTs are ownership of a digital asset. Um, and so when you own a digital asset, which can represent a piece of land in the metaverse, it could represent a song, um, it can represent a piece of digital art. Um, that is written into a contract, a smart contract that is identified as a token, right? So, so it is a token. And yet we also talk about tokens um, that are more defined by sort of currencies, right? So um, people right now may be trading ApeCoin, is a, a token that is that is really um, sort of talked about right now that came out of the the Board Ape Yacht Club um, brand, right? So that's a token, but that is not correlated to a digital asset. That's actually a token that is um, representative just of a, a trading asset. So it's kind of confusing because they're, they're ultimately two different things that we call the same thing. <laughs> so as if this space needed to be any more confusing, we made it slightly more confusing <laughs> by not distinguishing those two terms very well. Yeah, I was just wondering because, you know, I've looked into the space for what, how my company, you know, Women in Power X will incorporate NFTs, tokens, our events, and, and looking how that serves our community. So it's interesting because we're very, our values have always been focused on diversity and inclusion. And I know for like World of Women, it's not that inclusive in the sense of they're already sold. You can only get them for a certain amount of Ethereum, which is very expensive. And so there's no access to that anymore um, because it's it's scarcity, right? Like there's, it's a, a, an artwork. It's, it has a different purpose. So we're trying to think, okay, well, how can you make this inclusive while still representing the, the NFT in the sense of, of value and um, if it's art or whatever it may be. Obviously art is what every, every NFT seems to be these days, even though, you know, hopefully it will grow into more of that utility base. But that's why I was wondering, like, how do you see that inclusivity piece with different projects that serve communities where people can't get in after a certain amount of time unless they buy it for so much money on the secondary market? Yeah. And, and I think this is the challenge that 
maybe folks didn't realize, like if you think about, you know, Yam and the creators of World of Women, when they first launched their collection, they pro- they had no idea that it would do so well. And then oh, yeah. ultimately <laughs> price out so many people, right? right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love this as an example because World of Women was one of the first collections I really fell in love with. Uh, it was back last September, early October, um, I love them so much. I dressed up as one of the World of Women characters for Halloween. Um, but oh, at wow. that time, <laughs> that's awesome. I know World of Women was around one ETH ish, and ETH at that time was around four thousand dollars. And I was like, that is crazy for me to spend, you know, four thousand dollars on a piece of digital art. Like I, I, I just thought that was wild. And now. Had I made that investment, my investment mm-hmm. would have 10x by right. now, right? Um, so. Yeah, just what's what's the minimum? Like 20-something thousand right now? Maybe even more. I think I looked at it the other day. It's crazy. Yeah, I haven't looked at it recently. I know the floor at one point was around 10 ETH, though. So, it, it you know, when I was looking at it, that one ETH mark, and then it went to 10 ETH. And, and so I, I don't know where it is now, but it's certainly a, a blue chip project, um, you know, a, a very strong project. And I think um, even, you know, as uh, watching the World of Women team, I think they've grappled with that question that you're talking about. Um, and, you know, they've done some interesting things, right? So now they have a much broader sort of universe of all of the ways that you can be part of the World of Women brand. Um, and they, they did release a, a token, right? And so they, there's, they added to their collection another 10,000 pieces to, to bring more people in. And those, those pieces at mint price were much cheaper than, you know, the current floor price on, on their current project. And so I think this is something that we're going to have to um, really have a keen focus on those of us that are in this this work around inclusion as we grow in this space because it's like yeah does ten thousand does that scarcity mark make sense should these collections be around a hundred thousand or is there a model where you hold the NFT for a certain period of time and then it's resold at a, the mint price again you know like there's there's some interesting ways that people might play with this model to make sure that that we really are being inclusive. Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, uh, there's just so much to it, but that's that's what I think gets people really overwhelmed. And like you said, it's confusing if you're just looking at it. You don't know all the terminology, so. If there's someone that wants to learn more, but every time they kind of go into whether it's Twitter spaces or Discord, they're just like so overwhelmed with everything, where would you say um, they should – what should they start learning about? Because, of course, they can come to Web3 Equity and and start learning with you. But what what, should they start learning about NFTs? Should they start learning about Web3.0 or the metaverse or DAOs? Like where should they start in their research? Yeah. And I think, first of all, if they're experiencing that, they are in good company. I do not know a single person who was like, oh, yeah, the first time someone talked to me about this, it clicked and I like totally got it. Like that that cognitive dissonance that you're explaining, 99.9% of people experience that. And I think what gets people really excited is that if you stay the course for a bit of time, it 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 becomes much more clear in a way that like 
understanding rocket science or understanding how an airplane flies, like, I don't know that that will ever become crystal clear to me. But Web3 <laughs> has become crystal clear for me within a matter of months. And so I think that's where people, they experience that cognitive dissonance. Then something does click and they're like, ah, aha, I get this. I can get this. So if they're in that place, that's okay, first of all. Um, and the second thing, I, I think about this, again, coming from an educator perspective. Like, how do you scaffold learning for people so that it doesn't become overwhelming? And that's why I always start with a, a simple definition of Web 1 movement to Web 2 to Web 3, contextualizing this moment. And when people kind of understand what blockchain technology is broadly, broadly, not the details, just high level what it is, when people understand what it means to own a digital asset and when people understand what decentralization means, those three concepts, I think, are key to start your understanding journey. Then it's deciding what role do you want to take in this? Do you want to be an investor? Do you want to get into Web3 because you're going to flip things? You want to make money off it? Do you want to get into this because you actually think art is beautiful and like digital art is cool to you? You know, do you want to get into this because you believe in the creator economy and you want to help musicians and artists, you know, have more access to the funds that, um, you know, they could create? First, deciding what role you want to take, I think, then dictates the next chapter of learning. Because ultimately, if you're getting into this for investment, that's a whole different approach um, and skill set of what you need to study up on versus if you just appreciate art and you think, you know, I want to dabble in this a little bit and buy one or two things, that's a whole different approach too. So yeah, I think I would start by understanding the high level concepts of Web3, why people are so excited about decentralization, ownership of digital assets, um, and then say, what role do I want to take? And then figuring out that path based on, you know, the self-awareness of how you want to play in this space. I like that approach a lot. I mean, it's the same with anything uh, in business or in your career or in life in general. Like if you don't know your goals, you don't necessarily need to know exactly where it will take you or the really the end, end, you know, place that you want to be, but in the sense of what your interest is or what your goal is to even dabbling into it, then that helps you uh, with direction of where to start. So I really, really like that approach. Thank you for sharing it so clearly that way. Uh, because I know my, my fiance, he's an investor, right? He invests in NFTs, for their value to go up. He invests in crypto for the value to go up to make money. Uh, for me, I'm very interested in how I can utilize um, different things in the Web 3.0 world or the N or NFTs, or I've been looking into DAOs, right, which are mm -hmm. decentralized autonomous organizations in order to further my mission of empowering women uh, you know, to grow their business and brand and really create that inclusivity and diversity. So we both have completely different uses and we actually teach each other things because our research is different, just like you mentioned. So I want to- I love I wanna, that. Happy house, balanced, very balanced. Yeah, balanced. I like we're, that. Com we're like <laughs> complete opposites. Like I'm all city. He's a Southern gentleman. I mean, we have a lot of different balance. <laughs> I speed him up. He slows me down. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, taking that into the Web3 space. But I Love want it. to I want to ask, um, you found a use for NFTs to bridge the gap from the metaverse of the digital landscape to the real world with your in-person events. And of course, there's NFT use in the metaverse, right? Like the digital clothing and art. I mean, there's so, so much use. What do you see as the future use of NFT since a lot of, you know, there's a lot of talk about it being a bubble. Everyone knows NFTs just for the artwork, but I mean, NFTs can literally be the deed of your house in the future. So where do you see the, the future use of, of NFTs? Yeah, um, this is such an important topic. And I, I always cite um, this, to me, pretty iconic moment back in like 1994, where um, Katie Kirk and Bryant Gumbel are on the Today Show. And they're literally asking each other, like, what's the internet? Um, <laughs> and we look back at that clip now and we oh, laugh, man. right? Because it's like right. so funny to think about not understanding what the internet is. Um and ultimately, that is what I believe we will do in a couple decades, maybe even one decade, because, you know, things move so fast now. We'll look back at this moment and be like, remember when we didn't understand what NFTs and blockchain technology was? Like, haha. So, like, this is, this is going to become everything. The fact that these pixelized, you know, pieces of art and these apes have gotten a lot of attention is on one hand, exciting because it is bringing um, more awareness to the mass market. But to me, it's ultimately like the basement level of this 97 foot skyscraper that's being built on top of it. And I, I think while there's some stuff happening there and we should be talking about it, it's like the least exciting application of NFTs and of blockchain technology. So, so the other example I give when I think about, I, I last week spoke on like four different panels and I have these, the credentials from going to the conferences, right? And I like the memory of being there and, you know, speaking there, but I don't want those cluttering my house. So what do I do? I end up throwing them out or they sit in a drawer and collect dust. Like those things are, or the, the medals for people who complete, you know, marathons and triathlons, like those things will be come digital assets and we will collect our memories um, and things that we have done in a digital wallet and our digital wallet will start to become an expression and and i believe a much truer expression of our values and of who we are because on social media now i can i can put you know the things that are are like things i'm proud of and and beautiful but ultimately like follow my wallet and you see what really matters to me. You really see my values. And I think that's where this technology is going. And NFTs will become stores of memory, stores of, you know, your ethics, your values, the things that you really care about will all be in our digital wallet. And, and to get there, you know, there's a lot of things in between now and then. Um, but I, I think that, you know, the metaverse will start picking up on the things that are in our wallet. And when you walk in as an avatar, you know, wearing whatever shoes and in that metaverse application, it scans your wallet and it sees, oh, Michelle spoke at this conference and she ran this triathlon. We're also going to show her these shoes that are, you know, glittery, like what she wore on stage that day and um, running shoes because she likes marathons, right? We will start to see the targeted ads that we sort of get in other Web 2 experiences in Web3 and in the metaverse too. So um, 
that's a, a bit of a long-winded way to talk about the 97 stories that I think are being built on top of the pixelized uh, pieces of art and the, the apes, because I think that's just like the bottom rank level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, it's so interesting. You just mentioned this because I was just having a conversation with Colby, my fiance about that. You know, we, we go through school or these online courses and we get these certifications or when um, I'm handed an award, right? I've been handed an award after I spoke, I have it on my shelf. I would love to have that in my digital wallet. So, but you have to verify it. So do you know, and this is kind of getting, I guess, a little bit, wherever you are in your journey, if you're listening, just the more you, you hear it, even if you don't understand completely, it's, it's helping you because, you, you know, everything is about this momentum growth of, of you learning this new world. So the question that I have uh, to you is we would need these trust anchors to verify that you are the one that actually ran that marathon, or you are the one that actually got that award or that certification. So do you know that these, if any exist, or this is still just all theory? Um, No, this is an interesting uh, sort of move and priority in the space is it's called like KYC. That means know your customer, know your client, right? So when um, people use a digital wallet, that wallet is in essence anonymous until you verify your identity and connection with that wallet. Um, and so, yes, to your point of the the credentials on you know your learning, which then might convert into a different pay grade at a job or something like there. There's some stuff on the line there, right? So you you need to make sure that the that identity is verified. Um, and those things, I believe, will be gated through this KYC. Um, you know, verification process. And that process will likely get, well, I hope, will get much uh, quicker, more efficient, easier to do. Um, because right now, you know, the, the the user experience or the UX on a lot of these leaves much to be desired. And so I think that is why people are not um, running into this space to go try out new things because the technology that undergirds it um, is, is still lacking a bit, but, mm-hmm. but yes, the, that, that identity verification, um, will be key to connect, you know, the ownership of that wallet to the asset that then is going to be put into that wallet. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. There's so much being developed, I'm sure. So a few more questions. I mean, we could talk about this all day as I'm sure people ask you a million questions, but a lot of people, um, are, you know, question around different blockchain protocols. There's so many. Um, how do you choose the, like, choose one, whether it's to invest in in a certain coin or crypto or to uh, create NFTs or, or invest in NFTs? Uh, you know, will there be a day that they're all interconnected? Because I know, there's such a disconnect, right? Where everyone is, it seems like everyone, in, especially in the creator space, is all Ethereum because it's highly adopted, especially in the NFT world. But, um, you know, we're investors of Cardano, right? On, on mm-hmm. in ADA. And so that NFT space um, on the Cardano blockchain is completely different than the, the NFT space on Ethereum. So, 
what would you say regarding all these different blockchain protocols and where should pe- people, you know, go? Yeah. So this is a topic that I think is really important, again, to the building blocks of like the basic understanding. So we actually just started a research campaign around this. We focused on um, six, you know, of the larger uh, blockchain choices to to deep dive into them and to ultimately compare them, compare and contrast so that creators and collectors understand, you know, their choices and understand either what they're building on or what they're buying. Um, but first things first, just, you know, for listeners who maybe are new to this space, when we start talking about cryptocurrency, many folks anchor that thought around Bitcoin Mm -hmm. and actually Bitcoin is a store of value. Bitcoin does not allow you to do the type of proofs that the other blockchain protocols allow you to do, which then enable the type of smart contract iteration iterations that we have so bitcoin is just a store of value you actually cannot right now and i i don't think we will anytime soon you cannot build on top of bitcoin in the same way that you can build on top of cardano polygon matic right ethereum um so that's the first key distinguishing point then when you look at the other options i think you know it's important to think again for you what matters the most Um, so many considerations are around the fee, uh, associated with it. Mm -hmm. They're around the speed in which the transaction can get done. And then a huge component is the environmental impact. Um, and so I think this is where the decision matrix can become a little challenging. So I think more people maybe have adopted Ethereum, um, as their, to create their NFTs because it is has the most mass adoption right now. It's most, you know, widely known. More people own ETH than, you know, maybe own Cardano or, or others. Um, so it's easier to onboard people to your collection, but that is quite taxing on the environment. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think you've seen other protocols pop up like Tezos, Solana, Algorand, that have uh, a much smaller impact on the environment, have higher speeds, um, you know, and, and can be more efficient, but they have smaller user bases. So there, there's, there's a bit of a, a pro and con, I think, to some of the choices. I hope that more folks will continue to explore building on other blockchains um, to, you know, build out those ecosystems even more and strengthen the, the, the markets of, of people that are on each of those. So we can get more creative, you know, and, and not just see, um, you know, folks on Ethereum, which again, can be the more challenging in terms of the, the load that it takes to execute a transaction on, on Ethereum and then ultimately the impact on the environment. So that's a long-winded answer to say, look for our, uh, you know, research campaign that'll go into the details of each of these blockchains and, and be open-minded, I think, as you make that choice. Yeah, definitely. So did, where did you build your NFTs? We um, built on Ethereum. On Ethereum. And and I noticed that you can purchase uh, Tuttle Tribe and, and anyone that is interested in, in learning more, um, check out Web three, and that's the number three equity.io. And I noticed that you can mint or pay with a credit card. So do people need to have a wallet in order to get one of your NFTs? 
So yes, in order to own any digital asset, you must have a digital wallet. That is step one to digital asset ownership is a digital wallet. There are tons of different digital wallets out there. I personally use MetaMask the most. Um, and you know we have tutorials on our website of how to create a MetaMask wallet. It can take five minutes. Like it is actually not an arduous task. It's a task you want to complete in a safe space, likely at home and on your own uh, personal server, just to make sure that, you know, you're protected when you're creating that um, seed phrase to get into your wallet, but you have to have a digital wallet. Now you can purchase items. Um, Ours in particular, we added this credit card integration to make it easier for people. So we didn't want cryptocurrency to be a barrier to entry. And so you can make the purchase in US dollars on your credit card. And then that extension through NFT pay, we have a partnership with them. They will actually do the conversion for you um, on the back end. So you own the asset that was paid for in Ethereum technically, but it went through as a, a US dollar credit card transaction for you. Mm. That's awesome. So this is kind of more of a business question that I just thought of as you were, you know, uh, describing this process. So people are purchasing these NFTs and your company gets that income in order to fulfill your, you know, the events and run your business and grow. Once all of your NFTs are purchased and you know, once people own it, you, you maybe make some commission off of secondary sales, but I'm not sure if that would be enough to sustain a company. So this is, again, this is, you may not know the, the exact answer to this, but thinking of like businesses that are being created around NFTs. And and I know yours has a lot more to it because you have events, you have so many other uh, educational things that you're doing, but there's a lot of people that are like, hey, I'm going to create this company around this NFT. I'm going to sell 5,000 NFTs, and then I'm going to offer all of these things on my roadmap. But how are they going to make money, or how do you see that that you will make money in the future once all of your NFTs are purchased and now other people own it, and they're not paying annual membership fees, for example? Yep. And this is a huge uh, place where people overpromise, I think. And then, you know, they run into challenges because, you know, even with our collection, if I think about the amount of events that, that I want to host in all of the places and all the things I want to do, like the collection, I mean, you can do the math. I, the, the price is 0.05 Ethereum. That is public. You know, all of this stuff is public. You can multiply 0.05 Ethereum times 3,050 and know exactly you know, the max potential in the bank from the the sale of that whole collection, that's not going to be enough for a business to run into eternity, right? Like, yes, you ultimately have to generate additional revenue. And I think, you know, a lot of these collections um, that start out and that are smaller and maybe are not at, you know, we talked a lot about World of Women before, so they're not at that 10 ETH mark and they're trading a lot. Um, they have to generate revenue outside of the NFT collection to be able to sustain maybe some of those promises that they made in the roadmap. Um, And I think this, again, goes back to creating value intrinsically and then creating real store of value through the NFT. Um, And so I think, you know, to the business 
answer. It's like going into that um, with, with your eyes wide open, right? Am I creating this collection? Because ultimately the NFT is going to be the thing that is my business model moving into the future. So therefore, I need to get the biggest influencers. You know, I might gift a bunch of these to folks because I just want them in their wallet. And then they see, you know, these key influencers have their these in their wallet and that drives more trading and more value. That's a business model. Um, but if you're creating an NFT collection to offer utility to a community, then there might need to be another way that you sustain that business. Um, and, you know, we, we are looking at, you know, training, we are looking at partnering with other NFT projects to help onboard um, their target markets to continue to generate revenue um, for ongoing, you know, business expenses. But what you asked is a very savvy uh, question, you know, to make sure that you're being thoughtful long term. Yeah, no, thank you for answering that too. So thank you so much for your time. I have the last question. Uh, and I ask all of my guests this question that I believe in the possibility of one, how one person, one decision or one action step could possibly change your life forever. Along your entire journey, what has been that one thing for you? Hmm. So, yeah, I, I mentioned that I started my career as an educator. Um, so I did teach for America and I, I actually for a long time was like, ah, oh, teaching, like that would be the worst job ever. And I stumbled upon a campus recruiter who, uh, explained, you know, the educational achievement gap to me and, you know, the role that teachers can play. And so I think, yeah, that, that conversation then led to the decision, you know, to join Teach for America and ultimately has shaped my entire career. So I think that one conversation with that one person and making that decision to be a teacher um, is probably that, that, that fulcrum moment where things, you know, really changed the trajectory for me. Wow. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. Where's the best place everyone can connect with you to learn more about your company, your NFT project, and learn more about Web 3.0? So yeah, Web 3 really lives on Twitter right now, which is also going to be so interesting with the new yes. uh, acquisition of Elon. But um, I am on Twitter a lot. I spend a lot of my time on there. So people can find me at Michelle Abs, A-B-B-S, um, on Twitter, and also our account for Web3 Equity is there at Web3, the number equity. Um, so that's where a lot of our dialogue is occurring and would love to stay in touch with folks there. And of course, would love folks to join the Tuttle Tribe and be part of those in-person uh, learning events with us. Uh, and we, um, you know, as we work to achieve gender equity in Web3. That's amazing. I love what you're doing. I definitely want to stay connected, um, want to continue to support. And again, definitely connect with Michelle on Twitter or uh, check out her, her website to learn more. You have provided so much knowledge in this space, and I really appreciate your time. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Alexa, for having me. Definitely. Well, 
Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Lexa Rose Show. Make sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and listen to us live on Colin every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to be a guest, you have a recommendation for a guest, shoot me a DM at Alexa Rose Carlin on social media. I'm always looking for new people to come onto the show and continue chasing after your dreams, continue being a student, learn about Web 3.0. Knowledge is power and, uh, and be part of amazing people doing awesome things. Support one another. Thank you so much for tuning in and until next time. individual taking massive amounts of action to pursue what they love and today that is what we're focusing on we're focusing on your growth and your success